Our series, though, has been called Make the Change, and I want to share with you one of the key bases in which you and I can actually experience more change, and it's through this thing, kind of a lost art in our culture today, it's called commitment. Commitment sets the stage for the change to happen. Right, we, we could set out in a year or in a moment in life to want to change something, but if we're not committed to the change, this thing begins to fall away. Without commitment, nothing, nothing happens. Commitment shapes your life. Commitment defines your life. Commitment starts with a mindset. And if you've ever committed to something, you can go back and say, when did that time happen that I committed to something? It was a moment in your mind. It started in your mind where you said, enough is enough, or or I'm going to stop doing this in my life, or start doing this, and, and I'm going to be all in on this. And you can go back to a, a mindset that you embrace that said, I am all in on this commitment. And as we set something in our mind, uh, so we do, and then we become as we think, so we do, and as we do, so we become. Commitments start in the mind, and then that begins to move into action steps. And today I'm going to share with you the importance of Commitment. I, I am going to share some things today that maybe potentially as you're hearing what I'm about to share, for some of you, uh, there may be a, a bit of a, of a feeling of conviction, and, and, and I'm not sharing these commitments, because uh, I think sometimes as I share these, maybe you'll like, well, I failed at that one, or I failed at this key commitment in my life, and I'm not here to just say, present to you a bunch of failure and send you on. Uh, my hope is to remind you of the importance of commitment and some specific areas of commitment and that you would walk out of here and say, okay, whatever is new in front of me, I'm going to be committed to it. And whatever I'm trying to experience, I'm going to be committed to it. I hope that'll be the spirit that takes hold over our time together as we make our commitments and stick to them. It becomes the difference maker in life. You believe? I, I know God makes us all with an opportunity of time, chance, the moments to accept the challenges, to step in to the great moments of life. The difference between ordinary and extraordinary, difference from average and greatness is people who respond to a moment and they commit to it. They stay all in. Sadly, as I mentioned, in our culture today, for various reasons, because we're in the me culture, it's all about me and my wants and my desires, and if I'm not happy, I'll go where the grass is greener. I'll go to another spot, a place in life where, you know, maybe it's better for me and it's all about, about me. I put this in your notes. At some point, you're going to have to decide that the grass isn't always greener somewhere else. That there may be something right in front of you right now that you can invest in and experience the most that God has for you as God is leading you. I think we all want God to lead us to green pastures. The thought in the 23rd Psalm about God leading us to green pastures is a portrait that if you will trust and commit to the things of God in all things in your life, he will bring you to the richness, to the green pastures of life. But to experience that, it takes, it takes commitment. John 10 and verse 2 says, the one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the door for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. As you encounter God, and you know the voice of God in your life, he calls you out, and he says, follow me, stick onto the journey, stick, keep moving ahead, keep moving forward, and I will lead you to the greener pastures, not bouncing around and jumping from here 
to there and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. This is uh, always on display uh, more, most richly when you go to watch people at a buffet, this culture of humanity. And what do we do? What do we see oftentimes when you go to a buffet? You see people that will put on a plate 10 different things all at once, a sampling of this and a little thing of this. And I don't know if it's a fear that like, if I don't get it now, I won't come, it won't be there when I come back. And so I got to get a little bit of this and try a little bit of this, right? And in our culture today, that's kind of how we operate with life. Let me have a dabble in this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And what you have in our culture today is people who are average at a bunch of little things, but they're great at nothing. Being great at something brings goodness into our life. Being great at something happens with commitment. Greatness is missed when you do not commit. Luke 9 and verse 62. But Jesus said, anyone who puts the hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. This scripture in reference to uh, Jesus is kind of referring to here with, uh, with, with plowing. It's the ultimate portrait of commitment. It says, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move ahead. I'm not going to look over here, look over there, and look behind me. And of course, if you're trying to make a, a, a healthy field of plowing, you want straight lines. You start looking around, what do you get? You start going in different directions, and, and that's not how it works. In the field, there's got to be straight lines. And God's reminder to you and I is if you want to go from A to B, you put your hand to the plow, and you keep moving. That's a portrait of Commitment. Today, I want to give you, I think, four great commitments in life that put you in what I might call the incubator for greatness through commitment. I could give uh, dozens of great commitments in life, but I want to give you what I perceive to be probably four kind of all-in commitments in life. Here's the first one I put in your notes. Commit to God. Of course, that's the first one. Your church, the first one is God. That's the answer. But it is important for me to share this with you because I think it's possible that for some of you, and you came to church this weekend and, and last week or several weekends because you've been in this renewed commitment to God, but it can fade, and I've watched it. I've watched people fade in their commitments to God. God designed you. God made you. He created you. He is the one who gave you life, and he gave you life for a purpose and a reason. He gave you life, and he has an expectation of your investment in that life that he has given you. Part of the expectation is that you will develop and grow in a relationship with him. How do you develop and grow in any great relationship? You, it happens through commitment. I'm all in. God is looking for you to be all in in your commitment with him. God gave you life. Your mama got you ready for church and got you ready for school or packed your lunches or whatever it was and put shoes on your feet. That's nice, but God gave you life. And your dad, maybe he got you a bike or did something else for you or helped you along the way in life. I don't know whether he did or didn't, but God gave you life. And God wants you to encounter the most of that life that he has given you. And when you decide to dig into that commitment, it puts you in positions to experience him more. I think for some of you, you might hear what I'm saying right now and go, bro, I'm committed. I came to church, buddy. I'm here. And I think that's great. And if some of you, that was a big commitment for you to start the year, I appreciate that. And I think that's, that's amazing. I'm not just talking about that, though. I'm talking about a level of commitment that says, God, I'm committed to you in your head, my mind, my heart, my spirit, my soul. God, I'm committed to you in my worship, my decisions, my dating, my marriage, my finances. You are my rock. You are my foundation. You are the basis for everything in my life. God, I believe that that is the level of commitment that I want to embrace. Are you committed to him?
in all things. God wants you to experience greatness, but that greatness comes with commitment. But it is a choice that you have to make. Starts with the mindset that says, this is it, you know, I'm all in. Through thick and thin, through all the struggles in life, I'm all in. I'm all in on my commitment with God. It comes in a moment where you decide that, you know what, this is, this is for my growth and for my life and for what God's promising me for my life. Of course, when you get healthy personally, spiritually, you get better for others, but it's not, it doesn't start because you want to do it for others. It starts because it's a commitment that you personally want to make with God. You don't do it because you're trying to land the pretty woman at church. That don't work, and I've seen people do it. You're trying to land the cute guy, and so you start coming to church. You don't do it for your spouse. You don't do it for your kids. You don't do it because you think it's going to be a great business move. You commit to God because you want something different for your life. It happens in a moment where you realize, my life is not being maximized. My life is not reaching the potential that it needs to reach. I'm tired of the selfish ways that I've been living. I'm done with that way of living. God, I want a vision for my life. I'm done wasting time in my life. It comes in a moment where you decide the pursuits of money will always leave you empty. And if you haven't figured it out, you will one day. It comes in a moment where you realize the nightclub is is not going to get it done for me. It comes in a moment where you wake up and you realize I've got to have... I've got to know what's more for life. It comes in a moment where you wake up and you say, I'm done with the anger. I'm done with the jealousy. I'm done with the bigotry. I'm done with the bitterness. I'm done with the hate. I'm done with the needles. God, I need you. God, I'm committing to you. In a moment where you have a falling out and you experience the transformation that begins to come with a life that is committed to God. If I could challenge you in one way today, to be committed to God above all things, it would be to commit to his word. Digging into his word. Digging into scripture. This is how we get to know God. In the scriptures, God personalizes it for you and I. The pages come alive with personal like touch for you and how it means for you personally as God is leading and guiding you. God's word gives us the keys to the great decision making that we could ever want in life. He he reveals it to us through his, through his word, through all the highs and the lows. God's word reveals God himself to you and I to guide us through those difficult times. Joshua, the scripture we led, read last week as Joshua is about to lead the Israelites over the Jordan and into the promised land. That scripture from Joshua 1, in that text that we read last week, I remember there was a segment that I wanted to share with you this week. And so I want to reread this verse 7 and 8 from Joshua chapter 1. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on, day and, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then here comes the promise. Ready? Then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. I want that. Am I the only one in here that wants to be prosperous and successful? I don't think so. I would imagine you do as well. That promise is real, but what was the action step before the promise becomes real? I take God's word and I meditate on it day and night. That word meditate, I've shared many times over the years. I think I touched a little bit on it in week one of this series. That word meditate comes from this understanding of almost like uh, uh, chewing, like a cow just chews 
and chews and chews. And when the cow chews and chews and chews, what is the cow doing? He's getting all the nutrients that he can out of every single little piece that he's chewing on. What God says for you and I is what, when you get into my word, here's what I want you to do. I want you to chew on it. Soak it up for every piece that it could be. Because when you soak it up, when you meditate on it day and night, it is what begins to prepare you and give you the guidance for your life. Another, trans, another text says this in James 1, 21. Receive with meekness the, what's this? Receive with meekness the, what's the next word? The what? Engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. This is a portrait of, of this taking, uh, you know, uh, again, I think I talked about this in week one, the taking a piece of the skin from one place of the body and putting it in another place. And the doctors can do that for you and I today. That word engrafted here says that we're woven in, like my entire life is woven in. God's word is growing on my skin inside of me because it's so much a part of who I am. It's engrafted in me. But the enemy don't want you reading God's word. He doesn't, and he's going to distract you. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You sit down and try to read the word of God and then distractions. And the enemy understands that, and so he'll unleash every tactic to keep you away from God's word because when God's word gets engrafted in you, you can take down giants. When God's word gets engrafted in you, you have peace that surpasses all understanding. You have power, you have love, you have joy, you have significance. People won't understand it, what you have. They won't. But you know what it is that you have. And now you're in position to conquer, to live different times. may be tough along the way, but you're staying strong and being committed to God. Have you made a decision to commit to his word in this new year? Some of you already have, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Others of you need to take that step to encounter more of God. Here's the, uh, oh, one little thing I wanted to share with you to help you about reading the word was uh, we put these little markers uh, in your bulletins when you came in. These are bookmarkers. And uh, we gave you these as a little, maybe you need a little marker as you're reading God's word and, and you put this in. And I want to just say like this is like no other bookmarker around. Remember we started out this series with gimmicks. This is kind of our gimmick for this week. A bookmarker. And it says on this bookmarker that this bookmarker is guaranteed to remind you when you put it in to remind you of the last place you read in the book. That is phenomenal. I don't know if you've ever had something like this. And you didn't get one because you don't take a bulletin when you came in and this is a 99.99 value and you don't have it in your hand, but others do. And you're already ahead of everybody else. Actually, if you want one of these, you can grab it on the way out. You understand the bookmarker won't do it. You've got to actually read. But we thought we'd give you this as a reminder of the change and the decision that maybe you're making to dig in to God's word, and we have a little fun throughout this series with little bits and gimmicks. The next thing in your notes is commit to the family. Commit to family. And again, I'm, I'm going to share some things about being married, about being committed to family, about sticking it out through thick and thin, and there's going to be some of you, and we have a large amount of people in our church that you know, have been through a marriage and the marriage didn't go well and it has ended for one reason or another. And this is a no condemnation house. It's just the reality of what's happening here. And, and, and so I understand that that's taking place. And so I'm not here to beat you down about maybe your past, but to remind you that if you wanna get remarried, you, you wanna have a new spouse one day, maybe it's close, it's about to happen. Maybe, maybe it's a, a, something you want for later in life, uh, that this is Important to remember for the person that God puts next in your life. 
But commitment to family is critical. Commitment to family is where I learn as a young child the value of commitment. The household becomes the incubator for what greatness can look like through a life of commitment. I grow up and I watch mom and dad live a life of commitment. I see the value in that commitment and I want that myself in my life. And that's how we produce generation after generation that understands the value of commitment. But family is not easy. A family can be chaotic. Uh, deciding to be married and to have family together, that's not easy. I think we think it's easy in the moment, right? right? We think it's, it's really easy in the moment. You know, I think sometimes our idea of what we think about marriage, it's like you, know, you get a puppy. And you get the puppy and it's so cute. And oh, look at my little puppy. And then you bring it home and it keeps you up at night and it wakes you up every two hours and it's pooping and peeing on the floor and vomiting in places in your life. I don't know that I want this anymore. <laughs> marriage and family can be a little bit like that. You're like, it looked good for a little while, but now things are getting a little bit chaotic. Are you committed, though, during the good days and the bad days? Are you willing to live a life of commitment to family? Are you committed when you're in the penthouse and when you're in the outhouse? Are you committed to the kids? Are you committed to the relationships in the household? Are you committed on the good days and the bad days? If somebody in your household's walking with God, you say, I love you. When they're in a mess, you say, I love you. There's not any of this like, okay, I was in love with you, but now I'm not. That's not what commitment is. Commitment says, I'm all in. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter on my marriage. I'm not a quitter on my family. I'm not a quitter on my kid. I am all in. It's not about feelings. It's about a covenant with God. And I always talk to men. I give a little bit of tough talk because I hear men, they'll say things like, well, I don't know what she's complaining about because I bring home a paycheck and take care of her. That's your job. You don't need to brag about that. That's just what you do. She, I put a roof over her head and I give her a car. You don't need to brag about that. That's commitment. Let's just, just do it. Just get it done. That's modeled from generation to generation. And so we just do it. Hear me, dating's not commitment. Dating can tell you a lot about the commitment that you think you would like to have with this person one day. And you can begin, as you're dating, you can begin to examine those commitments in their life and how they do. Because it will set forth potentially an example of what your marriage will be like. But the ultimate marriage, the ultimate commitment I'm talking about is in marriage. When you say those vows, in sickness and in health, until death do we part, I do. There's no need to brag about what you get done. That's commitment. You wanted him when you were dating. You, you, you wanted him when he proposed. You wanted her when you walked down the aisle. You wanted her on the honeymoon night. Absolutely. But what about when the times are tough and you got to put your hand to the plow and say, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going through the good and the bad, through the highs and the lows. Let's keep going till death do we part. The kids come along and, and you're up late at night, sir, changing the diapers. You say, I don't know, man, you don't understand how hard I'm working. I'm changing the diapers. That, uh, don't brag about that. That's commitment. Yeah, the kids are throwing up and there's poop on the floor and I clean it up. That, that's commitment. Who's going to stand up to the generations that we have in our culture today that don't care anything about commitment because they were never modeled it? Who's going to stand up and say, we're modeling commitment? Who's going to stand up and say, hey, you know what? Uh, this is what we do. We stay in through thick and thin. 
men and women who are committed, children committed back to the household because mom and dad, they've seen them be committed as well. We have multiple generations that are being raised up and they do not commit because the commitment requires them to give and they have been told it is all about them. And because it is all about them, I cannot give out. I don't know what it means. And so they abandon the relationship or the thing that was important because they want whatever is best for them instead of investing and moving towards the other person. Here's the next thing I put in your notes. Commit to church. There are so many blessings and benefits from committing to church. One of the greatest benefits that I experience from being committed to church is when I have a tough week and I come in here, I'm energized. It just, I don't know if you've ever like had a moment where you didn't even, you didn't even feel like going to church because you're tired, whatever, it's raining, things are going on, and you just, and, but you got up and you did it and you were committed and you went to church and all of a sudden you felt blessed. Like something happened, the pastor spoke and it re-energized or charged you or focused you, refocused you in life. Uh, maybe you're in your small group or whatever it was and you were just like, man, I, I needed that today. I didn't want to go, but now I realize why I went. I needed that. How, why is that happening? Because that's how sitting under God's word and reveal and hearing God's word and hearing messages, like this is what happens because you're being strengthened, you're being energized by the power and strength of God. In Isaiah 40 31, it says, but those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. They're gonna soar on wings like eagles. They're gonna run, not grow weary. They're gonna walk and they're not gonna be faint. Anytime you're in the presence and encountering the things of God, it is going to energize you. During the summer, we showed the Rocky movie and we did kind of a movie theme during the summer and one of the movies was about Rocky or more specifically Apollo Creed who, you know, the actor passed away a couple days ago. But I talked about, I think in that series, like church is is like what Rocky would go through sometimes when he would go in the corner. Like round one happens, you know? It's like round one happens and Rocky would get beat up and he'd cut and he's abused and he'd go in the corner and somebody would charge him up, you know, and speak great words and then they'd seal up the, heal up the, they'd fix the wounds and, and they'd give him something to drink, right? And they'd say, time for round two, go out. And he'd go out and all these things, come back and he'd go back in the corner and they'd recharge him and re-energize him and go back out again. Churches like that. We went through some struggles, some difficulties during the week, but I went to church and I was shoulder to shoulder with other believers and we sang and we worshiped and I got charged up. Go back out. And that week may be tough, but the weekend's coming and I'm gonna get charged back up. My small group's coming. Mother opportunities to serve are coming to get charged back up. Psalm 100 and verse two says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Singing with joy at your church experience, worshiping God and saying, man, it's been a tough week, but God, you're still by my side. You are here with me. I am worshiping you. I think we have to remember that people are still craving the things that church has to offer because the church offers community. It offers motivation to life change. It, it ultimately presents the gospel, which is the driver of, of change in our life. And people are gonna always have hope for something. And where there is hope that is being delivered, there will always be an audience. But yet our culture is trying to tell you and I, you don't need church, especially, boy, they were all over it when COVID happened. They said, after during COVID and after, they said, churches have gotta get used to it because uh, uh, people don't want to go to crowds anymore and they just, they want to watch church at home. And so you better do everything online because they're not coming to your building anymore. 
uh, I don't know if you know this, but in churches that are reaching their community and set up for, to, to try to grow, they're exploding all over the country with attendance. And people are looking for that, that hope that's found through the presentation of the gospel in the church. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you're aware of it, but there's multiple studies out right now that say the fastest growing age group that is currently flooding the church more than ever before is 18 to 32 year olds. They want the things that the church has to offer. They don't want it online. They want it. They want to come experience it in person. And so the church is still the church and they've tried to tear down the church for all these years and the church is still moving and growing and vibrant. We had our largest 11 church attendance in our history just a week ago. So we know that the church can grow when it reaches its community, when it connects with, with people. But this is about you deciding that, hey, you know what? It, it, it's not just even coming once in the weekend. It's experiencing all the things that the church has to offer. You may not know this. Some of you may be oblivious to this, but just a couple of decades ago, here's the way people did church. Ready? They'd get up on Sunday. They'd go to Sunday school first. Then they would go to church. Then they'd go have some lunch. They'd come back for Sunday night church. And then they'd go to church on Wednesday night. And maybe one or two other things during the week as well. Some of you are like, what? <laughs> because for some people today, like 65 minutes is like at church. on the, is, Oh my gosh, this is too much. <laughs> We've missed those moments to understand like, man, the power of all the things that the church has to offer. And we're willing to drive to work every day and drive distances to work. We're willing to get up and go to school every day and drive here to there. We're willing to run our kids all over for practices all over God's green earth, but we start grumbling and go to church. We want to experience church for all it has to offer. We've got to decide to get the church engrafted in us. I'm talking about a commitment to the church. You know what I'm really talking about is this word called reciprocity. I don't know if you know what reciprocity is. What it is is, is I'm giving back that which I have received. Reciprocity. The ultimate way that you encounter all that the church has to offer is when you decide to reciprocate. I've experienced the love of God. I'm digging into the love of the church, and now I want others to experience that as well. That's, that's what we do with reciprocity. And so we start plugging in in ways in the church that position us to not just receive the goodness that the church has to offer, but also give it back out. When our church started, we... We began the planning probably 19 or 20 years ago, but it, it became public at about 18 years ago. And my wife and I made a decision of commitment to model for our congregation a commitment to our community, commitment to this church, certainly commitment to our family. But we said we're going to model that. And we stood, and this church stands today starting as a model of commitment. But hear me, this is what I wanted to really share with you is we stepped up in that commitment, but then others joined us. And you know one of the greatest joys that I get to do during the week is when I introduce people to other people here at our church or at my groups or wherever it may be, I get to say, this is so-and-so. They've been with us since the first day we opened 18 years ago. And this is another family. I want to introduce you to them. They've been with us 15 years at our church. And here's another family, 10 years and five years and six years. And I love being able to introduce those people and say, these people are committed. And I love being able to let people hear that because they know, my goodness, there are people that still model what commitment looks like. A great church in a community making a difference stands when a group of people are interwoven and grafted in 
the church reciprocating. They say, I'm not only going to just receive, I'm also going to get so engrafted that I'm giving out. You know some of the best servers in our church right now have never served. They haven't served. They're going to be great, but they haven't. We got amazing music singers on our stage. The best singers in our church have never sung on our stage because they've never stepped out to reciprocate. Uh, some of the best musicians, we got amazing musicians. Some of the best musicians in our church have never stood on our stage because they're not reciprocating. How can you experience the very best that your church has to offer if you're not willing to reciprocate and deeply engraft and be a part of all that that has to offer? Anything that does not reciprocate dies. A marriage where one of the spouses does not reciprocate dies. Families die. Dreams die. Your love for the church will die. When you don't reciprocate, churches themselves die when the people all gather and don't reciprocate. Don't miss out on being a part of the most incredible move of God happening in our area here, the things that are happening here at New Walk Church. It's an investment, it's an engrafting, but it is worth it. The church, the Bible says, is a living body. Body joined together, and you bring one part of the body, and I bring another, and we all join together. We get connected on the weekends and throughout the week and all these other things, and we make a difference in our community. Let me ask you, is your arm laying on the floor and it's not connected to the body? In other words, you're not a part of the reciprocation. I want to challenge you to make that jump into being fully committed to the church. Greatness comes in that engrafting and that ultimately that reciprocation. Here's the last thing. Commit to your dream. And I don't know what God's put on your heart as we've gone through this series. Uh, a next step, again, maybe something you need to stop. Something you need to start. A next step in spiritual leadership, spiritual growth, whatever it is. Commit to it. See, if you are in the word of God long enough and you are praying, uh, the more and more you pray, God does reveal dreams. He reveals them to you and I for your life and for the future. And that's a beautiful thing when God begins to reveal a dream. Check out what's next. Ready? You got to do your part. And that, receive, that, re, that requires commitment. Okay, God, thank you for that vision for my life or for what might be future in my future, but I'm going to do my part. You're doing your part is the beginning step, and, and then staying focused on your part. I remember uh, uh, in, uh, even like about two years before our church started, uh, a, group of, a group of people came to us and said, we want to help you financially with your church, and, and we'll partner with you, but you know what they told me? You need to go first. Put your money up first. You do your part. We'll do our part. And so what it, I shared in this November video, we, we drained our savings, we drained our retirement, and we put it all sort of as the seed in the beginning of this church. And when we did our part, others joined in. And people have been joining in over and over. People have been a part of seeing this vision for the community become a reality. But we had to put up our money first. I didn't say, I got a dream, now go fund me. I got no problem with GoFundMe. But are you going to go fund you first? And do your part. You say, I'm, I'm going to take my steps. I'm going to put up my invest, investment. And there were times in the early years of our church, it was hard because we were 
putting ourselves first and we were giving up so much financially right in those early years. I remember us paying other people and invoices before we were ever paid. And I got to tell you, we looked foolish at times and there were people that mocked us. Can I tell you, 18 years later, God's gotten the last laugh because we stayed committed. Now, I have to be clear about this. I, I learned commitment from my parents. I did. And my mom and dad, they, they modeled commitment for me. In fact, not just my mom and dad, grandparents on both sides and great-grandparents on both sides modeled commitment. I got to see it firsthand. And my parents labored in the highs and lows and the chaos of a small business for 47 years and sold it and retired. They stayed committed. I watched the highs and the lows of that business. My parents are celebrating this year 56 years of marriage, and they're doing that because they stayed committed, and they had highs and lows. I know it, and I saw it. I was blessed with those commitments in life. Maybe you're here today, and you didn't get those commitments from your parents. As I've said throughout this series, that doesn't mean you're just stuck out on an island and you can never learn commitment. God is the ultimate strengthener, power, and power of commitment. When you, with God's help, get your mind in order to say, God, I'm living out these commitments in my life. God comes alongside and says, I'm going to lead you through. And there are going to be trials. And it isn't going to be, be easy. But God says, I'm going to bring this thing to fruition, whatever it may be. If you'll stick with me, I will guide you along the way. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I can take care of the whole thing all the way through. But you've got to decide to be focused and Put in the investment and put in the energy and be committed along the way. Standing in front of the wishing well and dropping a coin in ain't going to work. The Disney thing and wishing upon a star, that ain't going to cut it here. It's about commitment. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we close out our time together and just give you an opportunity and maybe uh, you're not able to stand. Uh, maybe uh, you're not, that's fine, but if you're able to stand, you can stand up from where you're at and... Can I tell you what I think probably is one of the greatest tragedies I see in life? Is watching somebody come to the end of their life when they know they didn't really fully live. Watching somebody come to the end of their life knowing they never lived a life fully engaged. You know what they did? They never put in roots and they bounced from place to place and thing to thing, from here to there, grass is greener over there, tossed about like a wave in the ocean. They were never engrafted. Don't live a life of a could have been and a should have been. Live a life of commitment. And the people that are committed, they throw their whole self at it. Problem in our culture today is very few people have never come to the place where I'm going to throw my whole self at the marriage. I'm going to throw my whole self at the church. I'm going to throw my whole self at the dream. I'm going to throw my whole self to God. And the sad part of that is that people are living, but, but they're not really living. What a shame to live that way. It's a choice that you have to make, and you don't blame the devil, and you don't blame the demons, and you don't blame the haters. It's your choice to be committed. It's not cheap. It's not easy. And let me also say this. Uh, you can get all the education you want, and education's important. But education won't bring you to commitment. You've got to decide, hey, this has to happen. People in our culture today, they want the sex, but they don't want to pay the bills. They want the benefits, but not the responsibilities. Men and even women. You want to be 
able to experience all that a church has to offer. You want your church to be committed to you. Are you committed to your church? In that reciprocation value, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray uh, together. Maybe for some of you, there's some moments and times and things that you let slip by that you weren't committed to. Maybe you've wasted a segment of your life without commitment, and you'll do exactly what I did, and you'll just turn to God and say, God, God, forgive me of those moments, and hey, I, I, I wasted some time in my life. I did. I do not stand before you as somebody who got all that right. There's some moments that I wasted without commitment. God, forgive me. God, I see some things that you're calling me to, some steps in this series, some moments, some life situations, maybe some of the things we talked about today. Uh, God, empower me and strengthen me to carry me all the way through. God, I'm committed. I'm starting with my mind. Say I'm all in. And I'm reminded of Jesus Christ on the cross. He suffers. His arms are spread out. Nails are in, blooded, pouring out. And it was a time of deep, deep suffering. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And I've always been reminded of the great teachings I've heard over the years that first comes the cross, but then comes the crown. You go through the highs, you go through the lows, you go through the struggles, the difficulties, but I'm committed all the way. God was committed to humanity that Jesus Christ went all the way to the cross, but then came the crown. And God, I'm going to be committed. God, you're stirring people right now. Believers, you're stirring somebody right now, just prompting somebody, maybe it's not a believer, that they know that this is a part of their life that needs to begin, a relationship with God. And God is committed to you. He loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. Yet while you were still sinning, he directed his love to you and I that we might have a relationship with him through the gift of Jesus Christ. God's committed to you right now. Are you willing to say, now I'm committed back? And you know what? To begin that relationship with him, there's nothing really you need to do. It's already been done for you to begin that relationship. Yes, there's things you can do afterwards to experience blessing, to experience promises, to walk with him, but to start a relationship with him, it's been done for you already. You just have to receive the gift of Jesus Christ right where you're at. God, today, forgive me of my sin. I... What Jesus Christ did on the cross was for the forgiveness of sin for humanity, a pure blood sacrifice. And I receive that final offering today for my life and my sin. God, you're washing me clean. You're making me new. I'm beginning a journey with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.